Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Self-belief, how to get over bad races and workouts. We've all been there where we've had a bad race or a bad workout. It just happens to runners from time to time. We've done a lot of podcasts in the past about reaching your potential and what sort of workouts and technical things with training, but today we're going to be talking a little bit more on the self-belief and the mental side of training. We as coaches believe that most people never really reach their true physical limits because a lot of people just give up before they are able to reach those physical limits. You know, why would someone give up? That's a great question. And it almost sounds negative, but hear me out. It's because running is really, really hard and not just physically, but mentally hard. Mentally, there are so many challenges in this sport that sometimes will leave people at the roadblocks along the way without them pushing through and getting to that next level. Today, we will be chatting about how to get over hard races or workouts and rebound with newfound confidence in the sport. I have with me Jason Phillippe, who is the head cross-country and distance track coach at the University of Wisconsin-River Falls. He's been coaching for about a decade, and he has been running for over 20 years of his own life, so he definitely understands that self-belief is very important, and we'll be chatting with him about his own personal experiences and my own personal experiences, but also our experiences as coaches and what leads um, athletes to become successful in this area. So Jason, I thought we'd kick it off today. Um, oftentimes, we can't connect the dots looking forward. We can only connect them looking back. So I wanted to hear from you, you know, now that you are where you are, 20 years into your running career, what sort of dots can you connect looking back where you realize that self-belief played a role in your running? Was there ever a time where you had a failure and then you had to completely change your mindset to break through to that next level? Yeah, I think for me, thinking back to when I was in college, <clears throat> excuse me, this is when I probably experienced the most um, pressure in, in order to perform and, and hit a certain time that I was striving for. So um, I think having belief really was everything. Um, I'll talk about the mile because I think I didn't quite believe in my abilities to run as fast as I wanted to. I wanted to run a 410 mile and I was a few seconds slower than that. So um and I, I just, I got in two perfect races with the right competition. I never, never just made it happen. Um, in the steeplechase, my other goal, my other goal race, I was able to meet my goal. And I just think that I had more confidence and my belief about my ability um, to run a good race in that specific distance. And so I think that that kind of was a telling reason for why I was able to reach my potential in one event and not the other. Right. I think confidence is a huge thing in the sport. And it's really easy to go into, you know, a training cycle if all you've ever experienced is success because that's all you know. Um, and you're not kind of like traumatized or gun shy from uh, you know, not reaching your goals. And I think, you know, as runners mature in the sport and they realize, you know, law of diminishing returns, it gets harder and harder to PR. Maybe races just totally go bad. It just they don't hit their goals. Um, runners can get a little, 
you know, hesitant, gun shy. Uh, that's where the confidence piece maybe starts to deteriorate a little bit. Um, because that's the thing is this happens to people all the time, but it's how you respond to, you know, not reaching your goals or having a race that just doesn't go the way that you trained for or hoped that it would, because the time clock is not always going to reflect the fitness that you're in. And I think a lot of athletes get stuck on that and that's a big thing to break through. So what is something like mind shift wise that you did when you were in college, you know, after you didn't run the 510 mile, you know, you ran 414, which is still a great time. Um, And then you were able to move into outdoor and take a different approach with the steeplechase. Is it maybe because you weren't as focused on a specific time and you were just more focused on, you know, placement or competing in the race? Or what do you think made it different? Because to me, I think the mile is so, it's like that number. You really want to see that like flashy, like this is my time, you know, 410. But for the steeple, I don't even know because the steeplechase is a 3K. And I'm not even sure, you know, if I could calculate what, pace per mile, you know, a 3k is based on your finish time. So it's one of those where maybe you aren't as focused on the time. Do you think that played a role? Yeah, I think definitely as, as I shifted outdoor, um, I just really focused on, like you said, competing in the race and putting myself in position to kind of place in whatever race it was, whether it was conference or, um, just any invitational. So trying to be one of the top few runners and then also just, uh, running a smart race. So looking, breaking the race down into maybe 3K since it is a 3K race. So each K just progressively trying to maintain or slightly pick up the pace um, and always finishing strong, making sure that my technique is solid going over the barriers and stuff because obviously that'll help conserve energy. So um, I know that's a little bit different of a race. Most people don't have experience of doing, but you know that that taught me when I moved to the road races like the 5K and I started running those, um, to really just again break that up into th- uh, two thirds or three thirds of, of of the race, and then and then um, trying to just more of a mental thing to think about. Okay, get out, get out solid, but then kind of relax and settle in and hit cruise control, and then making sure I have enough left for that last mile or whatever it is, the last third of the race. Um, and so I think for me, it became less about the time and more about uh, the pace and the conserving of the energy, and then focusing on the competitive nature of the race too. Yeah, race execution is huge here. And I think people who have, you know, high confidence in themselves and their abilities are able to pace themselves better within a race. Um, What I see, you know, from a coaching perspective and from my own performances as an athlete, when I lack confidence on the starting line, that's when I am more likely to go out too hard. Um, Because it's really hard. If you don't think that you can run a time, you will get in the mindset of, well, I could just some bank some time, you know, and that's a very toxic mindset. You want to go into a race confident enough that your body knows the pace, that you're going to be able to execute, and that you're going to be able to close and finish strong. Um, whereas, you know, if you start thinking you're going to bank time because you always blow up or you always die at the end of a race, that can be a really hard mindset to get out of. Um, and that's something, you know, I went through a few years ago. And I think one of the biggest things that you told me, Jason, um, kind of when getting through to understanding, you know, pacing a little bit more and confidence and just this whole topic was, you know, halfway through a race, you want to feel comfortable and that it's easy and sustainable. I mean, easy is relative, but like you don't want to get, you know, halfway or two thirds of the way 
into the race and it feel like you're in the anaerobic zone already. Um, so at two thirds into the race, that's always my thing to feel like it's, you know, a tempo to feel very in control and that at any point, like I'm able to be strong enough to compete with the people around me. Um, I think for a number of years I would go out a little hard cause I lacked confidence in what my abilities were. Um, so I would just try to go with the whole banking time, um, thing, which is a hard trap to get out of. Um, but I think that's the, the biggest takeaway here. Uh, Jason, do you have any athletes that you currently coach or at the university level, um, or just in your past where you notice, um, that pacing people who have confidence are able to pace better or how do you think that plays in? Yeah, I think it it definitely does translate. You know, typically you're going to see people have more more discipline, more control in workouts, and they're going to hit paces a lot more, um, you know, specific to what the pace that was defined for them. And so the the people that typically are going to be all over the map or that maybe run way too fast, they're going to be the ones that are less likely to run a you know a fast time or run to their capabilities in a race. So I think a lot of it boils down to really understanding, um, you know, how to run efficiently. Uh, physically, but also mentally how to keep yourself present in the race and calm so that you can have that confidence to stay strong and to finish hard. Um, yeah. So, right. There's a lot that can be said about, you know, how your lack of confidence can also be reflected, not only just on race day, but in your workouts. Um, if you're someone who doesn't have a high level of self-belief, it can be hard to even navigate through, just daily workouts. Cause if you think a, you're not going to hit the paces, you may like not even attempt the workout depending on your, you know, your personality style. You might just say, you know what? I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to do it. So you just totally don't even try, or you could think getting back into the whole banking time or whatever workout. There's a lot of like self-sabotage. I think that goes on with people who don't believe that they're capable. Um, but I think the biggest thing here that we want to do is shift the thinking from, you know, maybe a lack of confidence into more of a confident mindset. And how can we get there? Um, and for me, you know, I personally, I don't love talking about this um, just because, you know, a lot of this is like very personal and it's all stuff that goes on in your head. But I'm sharing this just because I know that it can help people. Um, for a while, I was stuck I think it was like 2015, so almost five years ago, I ran um, my marathon PR at the time of 314 up at Grandma's Marathon, and it was a great day. Um, And then in the year and a half following that, I really, I, I knew that I had more potential in the marathon, and so I ran a few more marathons, and every single one of them was at least nine minutes slower. Uh, Most of them were positive splits. And it was like, no matter how I paced it, I still came up short. Um, And that was really hard just to navigate through that because it was like so many negative thoughts. Like, am I peaked? Am I doing this right? Am I built for the marathon? There's so many things that you could, you know, put a label on and try to figure out why races didn't go a certain way and make excuses. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, with each marathon that I ran and was, you know, further and further away from the 314 or under that I wanted to run, I guess like my confidence just took like a huge nosedive and I didn't really realize it at the time. Um, And then it was, it, it actually affected me not only on race day, but even in my workouts. Cause then, 
It turned into me trying to prove something in my workouts. And it's like, I didn't have the confidence to believe in myself. So I wanted to like see something, you know, on paper or just like force fitness that wasn't even there to, to be there. And so when your training starts to follow that pattern, you actually will lose fitness over time. So that's a little bit of what happened to me. Um, and then I got pregnant, had a baby, came back and finally, you know, it was really important to me to like prove to myself that I can, you know, get back in shape and be confident with my marathoning abilities. Um, not so much to like prove a time goal, but more just to prove to myself that like, I don't need to be in my head and that you can overcome like those negative thoughts and everything. So I just had a smart training cycle put together and then ran a 313, like, 12 months postpartum after giving birth, but marathons are really hard and they're no joke. So since then I I haven't really dabbled in the marathon much, um, just because they're just, they require so much concentration. But I think the main takeaway there is that, you know, a lot of athletes, they do go through periods where their confidence does get shaken. And it's all about like what you do in the face of that, that will, create, you know, the outcomes in the future. Um, so if you're someone who maybe struggles with this or you fall into like the comparison trap, I think we're going to share some things that will definitely help with your self-confidence. Um, and Jason, I brought him on because when I first met Jason, he was training for the Chicago marathon in 2012 and his marathon PR at the time was like 259. Um, and he told me I'm going to run 245 at Chicago. And I was like, whoa, okay, like, are you sure? Because I didn't know much about marathoning. Um, I was relatively new to the longer distance running events and he just knew, like, it was like this confidence. And I was like, well, if you're that confident, then, you know, like, I'm confident in your abilities. Um, But what was really interesting about that is knowing, like, his pacing during the race and then also, like, what led him to be that confident. So I guess, Jason, what was your pacing like for that Chicago marathon and like, how were you able to go into that race so confident, um, to share? Sure. Um, so my first marathon, like Victoria said, it was actually 258 and it was just, uh, I think it was a year before that. So heading into that marathon, my longest run was only probably a 17 or 18 miler. So I just knew that my training for Chicago had been, had been more thorough and I had done, you know, I did a 20 miler and I did like two or three 18 milers. So, I just felt more confident. I knew that um, back then we didn't have GPS watches. We just had our Timex. So I just had to kind of gauge how fast I was running um, and measure, you know, measure the course the old fashioned way online or driving the course afterwards. So um, just kind of learning about how, you know, how to progress, how to run progressively and and consistent long runs. I think that gave me the confidence. Um, And then I was just able to string together more consistent weeks of, you know, training back to back. So I think that that is really what set me up to have a, have a pretty good marathon in Chicago. And then speaking about that race in particular, I, w- I knew that if I went too hard, I would just slow down and die because I still wasn't very experienced of a marathoner. So, um, you know, my half PR was 113, which really should indicate I should be able to run a marathon probably around 230, 235. Um, and so I just started running. I went out on pace around 250. I just thought that that was a pretty honest pace. I went out in, I think, one. Um, so it was at 125 and then came back and I think, uh, 121. So that was a 240, ended up running 246 there at Chicago. So I think for me, it was just obviously over the, my training blocks, consistently believing in my abilities that helped transfer over into the race. Um, and again, I wasn't putting so much pressure on the time. I just, 
I just knew that if I went out and tried to run off of effort that I would end up running about a 245. I just, I just knew that I was kind of there. I wasn't, it's not like that was like my A goal or anything like that. I didn't have A, B, and C goals. I just kind of went off a feel. Right. That's really interesting. I love how at the end you were saying that you knew that if you just ran off of effort that you would be somewhere around 245, which is really funny to just even think about because I know we're talking about self-belief and self-confidence and all that stuff and you mentioned that, you know, 113 half would be more indicative of like a 235 marathon. So, you know, some people or even you could have gone into that race with the idea of, well, I'm going to run 235. Like this is me showing confidence. Like I know what I'm physically capable of. And so like, what was the mind shift difference between you going out, forcing yourself to run 235 and like going out at that pace and being super confident in that Versus like where you were at at the start line thinking, I think I'm going to go for 245 and that's where I'll probably end up just based off of the fitness that I think I'm in. Like how would someone understand that you were confident even though you weren't like striving for that like 235? Yeah, I think the marathon's tough because, you know, I knew I wasn't, I wasn't very experienced in that and the distance is obviously super far. So you never really know, um, you know, but if, if we're going to talk about a half marathon, for example, where you know you can complete the distance, that's a different story. You know, that, that's a totally different mindset, like trying to set yourself up to be able to run the pace that you think you potentially are fit and able to do. Um, I think then it's more about just, um, again, breaking the race into different parts and staying confident throughout. And um, But the marathon, there's so much more, you know, so much more things that could go wrong with, and you got to factor in fueling and all of that too. So, and bathroom breaks and all that. So I think there's a lot more stress and anxiety. And I think that's why people put so much pressure on themselves um, because you don't get many opportunities for the marathon. You maybe get one a year or two a year. It depends on how many you're doing. And so I think that's why it's so hard to reach our A goal in that distance specifically. Uh, but it's a little bit easier when we start talking shorter distances because you have more frequent races and opportunities to try to run you know, faster times at those distances because your recovery is much quicker. Right. Um, and I also love that, you know, you kind of set your own goal. Like, yeah, you could have plugged your time into the Jack Daniels. It says, you know, 235, you should be aiming to run. But you, you know, you did your training, you trained for the fitness you were in, you weren't super experienced at the marathon. And, you know, at the end of the day, you you set your own goal for yourself. And I think, there can be a lot that can be said about like forcing fitness or like forcing that you, if you want to run a certain time, you should force workout paces or that sort of whole concept. And um, that's that's definitely not the philosophy that we follow, nor do we recommend at all. Um, you have to train for like the fitness that you're at. So Jason, back in 2012, you know, he had ran one other marathon. He didn't have a lot of the long distance um, stuff under his belt. He was still very young um, at the sport of, you know, longer distance events. And so for him, like he set that as his own goal based on how training went. And when he went into his long runs, he didn't say, all right, you know, Jack Daniels, he's telling me my marathon pace is 550. So I got to like make sure like I'm doing all these workouts at this pace. And and that like put a would have put like more pressure on you. And I think what you did instead you took kind of like the fitness that you were at given, you know, a half marathon race, you did workouts and then you kind of saw how you, you felt and you were able to analyze that yourself and figure out a goal for you. Um, 
But what I think is really interesting talking about this topic about forcing fitness is sometimes I feel like that can indicate a lack of confidence um, or maybe maybe it's the opposite of the spectrum. It's like the wrong type of confidence. Um, I know like we've coached people and I personally as an athlete have also gone through phases where I'm like, well, I really want to run this time. So I'm going to run my paces here and it's just stretching it just a little bit, like just enough where you're actually not going to improve. And so what do you have to say to people kind of who are struggling with the concept of training for where they're at, even though, you know, on a workout day, like three by one mile, they're capable of going faster on those workouts and like keeping every run where everyone has a purpose. And how, how do people just be patient and confident and mature about it? Yeah, that's a tough one because I've had those experiences myself where a few years out of college, I'm still focused on trying to hit these certain paces on the track for my mile repeats that I used to be able to hit. And I got so wrapped up in the times and I found that I was really just burning myself out and I was feeling like it was taking me longer to recover in between workouts and I, my mental energy wasn't as positive. And so I'd much rather have someone kind of slow down a bit, run the paces they're supposed to run, recover from the workout, get the adaptations that their bodies are going to get from that, and then be able to bounce back and get ready for another workout and then just keep building on that. Um, because if you're constantly running a little bit faster every single time, you know, your races are going to start, you're stuck. You're going to start to see a plateau eventually in your races. Um, it's just, it happens all the time. I see it with college kids too right now. So it's definitely important for them, you know, getting them to slow down and understand like, Hey, we can go extra slow today. Um, or, you know, the goal of today's workout is threshold. It's not, you know, all out speed. So really just helping you understand what is the purpose? What is the goal of the workout? Right. Yeah. And now, you know, talking about what is the purpose of the workout and seeing, you know, some of the burnout signs. I know back when I was in college, that was really the last time I I ran with a group on a consistent basis. There were girls who I would do all my hard workouts with. And on race day, we'd be like right next to each other for the most part. But then for like easy runs, long run days, and even on some workouts, they would like try to go with the next pace group up. Um, so they, they like basically refused to do their long runs with me cause they wanted to run with like the faster girls. And I just remember, um, as the season progressed and we got into like indoor outdoor track, um, I started to beat them in races and I think they were very frustrated cause they were working harder, you know, around the clock, they were doing their easy runs longer. They were doing their workouts harder. They were doing their long runs faster. They were doing everything faster, but at the end of the day, like I beat them in a race. And so that can be just a total confidence crusher. And I think that kind of leads into the next thing that we want to talk about is how, and looking at those athletes, like that shook their confidence because they were confused. Like, why is she working less, but she's, you know, racing better than we are. And that's where the whole comparison trap kind of comes into play. And I think that is the number one confidence killer for other people. Um, Everyone's felt it before where you see someone like crush it and you're like, whoa, I didn't know they were in that kind of shape or where did that come from? Or sometimes you look at someone else who, you know, hits the goal that you wanted to hit and you're working just as hard and you're like, oh, I wish that could be me. And sometimes, you know, we get into like these weird these weird mindsets but the number one thing to take away from this is that self-belief is extremely powerful and what you like say to yourself in your mind your body hears everything you're saying so if you go down these negative spirals it's going to limit your 
performance, right? So we want to have like positive thoughts. We want every part of your body working together towards the same goal. Um, and training your mind to be positive and to see the positive. Sometimes I think people think this is like a natural gift that some people are just really positive all the time. That is absolutely not true. It's human nature to be negative. And the biggest thing is that you have to always be training your mind to see the positives. Um, Jason, what are some things that you do to help keep your mind positive on race day or like pre-race day or just in your training? Boy, that's a tough one. Um, I think I just, I talk myself about what I, what I know are my strengths, right? And so typically um, I'm not going to make the mistake of going out too fast. So I know that that's a strength. Um, another one would be finishing strong. So um, I know that, you know, that last whatever 200 meters, I'm going to have enough in the tank no matter what, because I can change over to that anaerobic and the fast switch and, and get up on my toes and just sprint it in. So I know that those are two strengths that I have. So I, I kind of analyze that. I think about that, but then I also, um, tell myself like one or two things that I really want to focus on for that race and just be mentally, um, tuned in with those. And so, um, yeah, it might just be, it might just be, uh, checking in halfway through to make sure I'm mentally present and, and still, still, um, thinking about what are my goals? Like, what am I here for today? And, and, oh yeah, this is kind of the range I want to be at, or this is who I want to be next to in the race. And so I think checking in and being honest with yourselves and reminding yourself of your goals is key during your race. What is something that would like trigger you to like go down a negative spiral on race day? Um, man, this is tough because I know. So probably getting feeling like when someone passes you in a race, and then just feeling like you're you're already striving too hard to keep up with them. So I think that that, especially in track, I know that was really hard because you get passed and you feel like people are just blown by you and. And so I think it's okay to just tell yourself, just re- recoup by slowing down for a little bit, and then you may have the extra urge that you need later um, to pick it back up. So I think that, that that's something that would be kind of a damage confidence killer for me. But Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think a lot of people hate the whole being past thing. I think the worst, like, for me or even for you, talking in track, you probably knew most of your competition, but... Even for me, like if it's someone I know who passes me, I'm <laughs> like that's a definitely a confidence killer because it's like you know what fitness they're in and you know like what fitness you're in and it's just like being played out right there in front of you. Um, but yeah, just being aware of like what your triggers are. So for me, like the biggest thing for self belief and preserving your self confidence is just making sure like things are positive for a while, right? It's hard to build your self-confidence if you're constantly being negative on yourself. So for me, I work on taking out anything that's going to cause negative thoughts um, or limit my exposure to them. Um, I am someone who can't spend a lot of time looking at people's workouts on Strava, like my competition, I would. (laughs) Like they're my competition's workouts, not like my athletes, but people who are maybe, you know, going to run the same races as me or, you know, I, I don't like to overanalyze other people's training who are like in the same sort of fitness as I am. Um, those are kind of like triggery points for me. Uh, if I look at other people's workouts too much that are in the same fitness as me, cause then that's when the whole comparison trap starts and I can start thinking, well, well, I should do a workout like that, or I haven't done a workout like this or blah, blah, blah. 
Um, and so that's just like a trigger and I try to avoid it. Um, I mean, obviously like you can talk your way through it and be like, oh, that's so, it's great for them. Great for them. But if you spend too much time doing it and mindlessly doing it, that's the key here. If you're just mindlessly scrolling and you're not really paying attention to your thoughts, you can find yourself in a bad place and not realize it. So just knowing what your triggers are and they're going to be different for everyone. Um, Jason said like his were, we're getting past, you can't really like avoid that as much. I mean, I guess pacing, you can avoid that, but is there anything else that, you, you do like scrolling let's run or anything that triggers your negative um i don't think so i think the biggest thing is just like she said flip it into a positive so when when your trigger does happen and you are aware of what it is then how do you kind of um comfort yourself in knowing that it's still going to be okay and that you can still salvage a pretty good race so i think just um being on top of that uh i for, for me now being a you know i don't race very much anymore probably like three to five races a year and they're just low-key like road races but so I'm always I've kind of taken what I've learned over the years and I've applied it so that I don't have to worry so much in these races Mm -hmm. and I go in with more modest goals so I think that that's just helped me um but I'll always take away let's say I have a bad performance I'll always take away something and um you know I kind of help my athletes with the same thing like what's something you think you did well and then what's something you think you need to work on for next time and then we can use that in our training um, to get better. So I think that that's really important as well. Right, yeah. So like we said, avoiding the triggers and then just early recognition. Like if this is going to happen, like if someone is going to pass Jason in a race, like how is he going to talk to himself? The first thought that Jason or myself or pretty much anyone else is going to have is going to be negative. Like your subconscious, that's just what it's going to do. It's going to go straight to negative. But you need to like then train your mind and just redirect your mind say, Nope, you can't think negative because the second you start thinking negative and you have all these stress hormones coming out and you you tense up, your body is like losing its state of flow. You're making everything harder. Um, You know, if you just think positive and think, oh, they're passing me now, great. I'm going to pass them, you know, the next lap. Or, you know, they're in way better shape than me. They're using this as a workout. Their workout today was to progressively run this and they're on a pace right now that I'm not even trying to run. So just thinking about other scenarios in your mind, like at least make it neutral, right? So if you're not even going to go positive, just make it neutral. Like someone pass, if someone blows by me in a race, I always say to myself, always, 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 especially if it's a guy and they're going like pretty fast, I always think they're doing this as a workout. Because I mean, there's just no way, you know, at O'Gara's 8K, I was like super consistent, negative split it. I ran about like six... 20 pace and if someone's blowing by you at mile like two going like 550 pace the only rational thought in my head is they didn't start when the gun started you know like they're doing it as a workout it's a progression run there's so many things that it could be um but by you know saying oh man they're going so fast you know there's so many different thoughts that I could have had in my head but I just say oh they're doing a workout like they must feel really good good for them like I don't, you can't make it a reflection of yourself. You can't start beating yourself up about things. Um, Don't make it about you. Don't go down the negative spiral. And a second that you get a negative thought in your head, like uh, that's my key. My key is one negative thought. Okay, whoa, wake up brain. I have to come up with positive stuff um, as a result. So, you know, if someone passes me and like, let's say they're not even doing a workout. Let's say I know they're racing the race. Um, It's, you know, like a friend or something that I know. I would just say, well, I feel good right now. Like this feels like a sustainable pace. I feel good. This is my race plan. This is like how I thought I would feel at this point. You're very strong. You felt worse in workouts. 
just reassuring yourself that like you've been here before. This is what you train to do and you're going to get to the finish line and finish strong. But if you just think, oh my gosh, they're passing me. Like I feel weak. I don't feel good. It makes you feel even worse. You have to keep it positive. Um, And if you can't keep it positive, at least keep it neutral. Um, And I like to think, you know, back to some of my races where they didn't go well because those like quote unquote failures, we may call them like, you know, races that just you totally blew up in or they didn't go your way at all or terrible workouts. I use those as fuel. I'll say, oh, you've had like way worse races. You felt way worse. You actually feel good today compared to, you know, the other day when you blew up on a workout or you had a lot of bathroom problems or whatever it may be. Um, So just because you have negative experiences doesn't mean that that's like your story. It's just another tool in your toolbox that you can use, you know, on race day when the going gets tough. You can say, you know what? I've been through worse. I've had worse experiences. I feel stronger today than I did then. Um, But then just like the whole continuously of monitoring your thoughts, like, Jason was saying he doesn't even have to think about it anymore because it just comes so natural. So how many years or like how long do you think it takes for people who are really consciously aware of this to like flip the switch? I mean, I know I'm sure as an athlete or as a coach, you've kind of watched me with my journey and seeing like a flip in my own, you know, from negative more to a positive. Like how long do you think that takes and what kind of can help in that journey? I mean, I think it could take various lengths of time depending on who you are but and how often you race but i think the more different types of racing environments you put yourself in the easier it becomes for you you know if you're used to racing shorter races and then also the longer stuff i feel like i've done you know i've probably done nine marathons and then you know a ton of 5k's and everything in between so i think that that has helped me just having that variety um and having to cope with you know different different race thoughts different physical things that you're feeling in races um, but the words that I always go back to are typically um, controlled or um, patient, like reminding myself, just stay patient, like mentally, physically, it's it's going to be okay. And then um, also when it starts to get really tough, though, com- committed, like how committed are you? And so just trying to show that grit um, and reminding yourself like, hey, the race is only this much longer and it's going to be worth it in the end because then you're going to be satisfied that you, you know, left it all out there. You gave it your very best and whatever that outcome is, it is for that day. So I think, um, and then afterwards too, like not getting, we didn't really touch about this, I don't think, but not beating yourself down. Like if you didn't get the result you wanted, um, we talked about staying positive and I think it's so important to just take away the positive from each race and then, um, you know, not get too hung up on it. Like just, you can be sad or upset for a little bit, but then get over it and get back to the grind. So I think that that's really key too. Right. Yeah. I think it's really important just to understand that everyone's different and everyone's journey is going to be different. But if you're someone that is struggling with self-belief or mental toughness, um, the biggest thing that you can do is practice. Um, and I know a lot of this episode was about, you know, self-belief, but another component of that is, you know, mental toughness and going through things. And I think the biggest thing that you can do is show up for yourself with your training every day and, consciously work on having a positive attitude it's one thing to just go through the motions of your training and just let the paces fall and let your attitude wander but it's a whole different ball game completely to make sure you're focusing on positive thoughts and like setting the tone for your entire training cycle every day um like don't show up with a negative attitude i mean today i had a track workout i showed up at the track and i definitely was struggling with negative thoughts you know i was like 
oh, no one's here. It's going to be hard to hit my paces. Like I'm tired. I just don't feel motivated. I never feel like super jacked up. And just, there were so many other things like going through my head. I'm like, you're not going to hit your paces. All these negative thoughts, but every time they were coming up, like one after another, like you just change your thought process and go, no, it's going to be great. Like, this is awesome. You have the whole track to yourself. Like just changing it from the negative to a positive or to a neutral. Um, and just knowing that people do struggle with this. And this is something that is a part of your training that you need to focus on. Um, just like you do hitting your paces, you have to focus on the thoughts that are going on in your head during every single interval. Cause the second you start getting negative or down on yourself or, Oh, like you're off by 10 seconds. Like you're a failure. Those sort of thoughts are going to limit your abilities. And that's the biggest takeaway here is that you have to be focusing during every single workout. Um, and so Jason, do you have any athletes that like just really follow the plan, trust the training versus people who don't? And like, what do you see is the biggest difference when it comes to, you know, trusting your training and just following it with like a positive mindset versus, you know, questioning things or switching things? Uh, Cause I think the hardest thing as a coach is when you assign a workout and someone like doesn't do it or they don't trust it. And there's hard to like, it's hard to like coach people who don't trust yeah. their training, um, even though they want to be coached and they say they do. So how do you navigate that? Especially like as a college coach, cause it's not like, you know, run for PR. Someone can just say, okay, well, I think I'm going to do my own thing. But like at a college, you're kind of stuck on the team and you have like your coach. So how does one, um, as a coach, like navigate those waters? I mean, it's a tough balance. I look for, obviously, athletes who are positive um, and give you that positive feedback about a workout. You know that they're in a, a pretty good mind, a place uh, mentally, and, and they're probably going to, hopefully that transfers over into racing. Um, in terms of, like, if you are, let's say I, I have some athletes who just go a little bit too fast, and then they kind of complain about how hard it was. Well, the thing is, if we want athletes to realize that workouts should be um, – we're just slowly kind of adding a little bit of fuel to the fire. So we're, they're not racing. You shouldn't feel taxed at the end of it. You should just feel like it was a pretty good workout and you always want to be done. You always want to finish feeling like you could have done one or two more. And, you know, if we can, if we can have athletes feel that way when they're done, then they're confident in their ability to kind of recover and, and get hungry again for more. And so that's kind of the mindset we want to have. We don't want them to be fried. We don't want the workouts to be, so, you know, energy zapping where you're, where you're exhausted and, and then you don't even want to think about the next workout. So, um, I like it when kids are asking me like, um, or even my athletes, like they're, you know, they, let's say they renew their plan and they want to know what the next few workouts are. And so I like it when they're interested to look at those workouts and same with my athletes in person, they're always asking like, what's our workout this Thursday or Friday? And it's only Monday. So I think that shows eagerness and that's exactly what you want to have is, um, you know, being focused on what you can do to get better and not being focused on just one specific workout that, you know, you just did or that's right in front of you. Right. That's really good advice. And I think looking to the future, the hardest part, you know, if you have a bad workout or you have a bad race that doesn't go your way, you you focus for months and maybe even years for, you know, this goal race. Like, let's say you're putting all your cards on the table for a marathon. You really want to run like a BQ and you fall a little bit short. Um, it can be really hard for athletes to like have that confidence and believe again, like, how do I know this isn't going to happen again? So what would be like your biggest advice to someone who is falling short of a goal, um, that they've worked, you know, for years on and how do they like just 
keep on trusting the training, even though, you know, the race results on race day didn't reflect the fitness that they're in. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really tough because, um, you don't get a lot of opportunities to run the race. Uh, I think that it goes back to, we need to change something, whether that is something about our training or our mindset or, um, you know, anything that's going to have to do with our, just our belief and our confidence. Um, and maybe, maybe we do have the belief and confidence and it was just, just a fluke day or bad weather, whatever. And, and so then, you know, that's where we can help with, with kind of rebounding from that, getting ready for the next one. But also if it's, if it's something that's lacking in your training, maybe it's time to switch it up and focus more, maybe take a break from, um, you know, the, the marathons for a while and focus on some speed, or maybe if you've only been doing 5k, 10k, and maybe let's try to shift towards more of the longer tempo work and let's see if you get faster. So it's really about, I think, um, just be, being open-minded to changing something about either your mindset or your training. Right. Yeah. I think it's always difficult, you know, when the race clock doesn't show what type of shape that you think that you're in or doesn't reflect the actual fitness that you are in. Um, there's a lot of variables that can happen. And the longer the distance of the race, I always think the more room for, you know, error. 26.2 miles is a very long time, you know, running for three, four, five hours at a time. There's a lot more opportunities for things to kind of happen in a longer distance race than, you know, if you're just running for five minutes or something like that, um, like a mile. Uh, but, you know, every, and that's the biggest thing is not everyone's going to have a race where your fitness, the fitness that you're in is shown on the race clock and just understanding and knowing that most people, when they show up to run a race, um, you know, and the longer the distance, the more this is true, they don't run a complete accurate reflection of the fitness level that they're in. So just knowing that as an athlete and understanding that, not like holding yourself to unrealistic expectations. And I think the biggest thing is consistency, you know? So let's say you fall short of your goal or you fall short of your goal five times. Like if you were like me back when I was trying to run under 314, um, it can be hard, but the biggest thing is consistency does actually pay off. So like Jason said, changing a variable, but just sticking with it um, long-term and making sure you keep that positive mindset is a huge game changer. Um, you know, even just with Run for PRs, for example, I launched this company f- five years ago now, f- six, almost five and a half years ago. And there are some people that I emailed with four years ago that are in my inbox that said they were interested in maybe working with a coach or with me. And then they kind of ghosted me or they didn't want to work with me. And then, you know, three years later, here they are, they email again. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm ready now. And the weirdest thing is that happens all the time. And I think what that shows me as a business owner is that your consistency showing up like year after year, week after week, day after day, it has an impact on people. And so you know, if I would have just given up every time someone said no, or I don't want to work with you or just completely ghosted me, like the business wouldn't be where it is today with multiple coaches. And it definitely like wouldn't have a podcast. I wouldn't be doing this. Um, but the thing is, is just showing up and having that like resilience to know that just because, you know, it didn't go exactly how I wanted it to this time, that the next one, isn't going to be building towards something great. And, you know, even those workouts that you think are like failed workouts, you know, like I might've thought, oh, that was a fail. I didn't get that customer. It wasn't because it was building towards something great. And then how would I know that three years later, that same person or dozens of these same people 
were still following and then decided three years later that they were ready. So I think the biggest takeaway there is being patient and trusting the process. And, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, we said you can't connect the dots looking forward. You know, in 2016, when that person ghosted me, said they didn't want to work with me, whatever, how was I supposed to know that, you know, in three years from now, I would be getting emails all the time from people that I talked to three, four years prior that now want to work with people at my company. Um, and also same with like, if you have a bad workout, like I just recently, you know, a month ago had a really bad workout. How was I supposed to know that, you know, it was just going to lead up to the next successful workout. It was going to lead up to something better. You actually, you can't see those things, but you just have to trust that they are building towards something and understanding that you can learn everything from like those failures or the people who walk away or the workouts that didn't go your way. Those are all learning opportunities. And so if you take that as like a green, like a good thing where you can take away something and apply it to the future, then you are growing, then you're evolving, and then all of the stars will connect um, in your past. So another final word is just don't put too much weight on one performance, you know, like we've all had terrible races. And I think, you know, <laughs> Jason, one that comes to mind here, we talked about, he's a 245 marathoner. His first time at Boston, the Boston marathon is like a very hard course. And it was like four years after he ran his PR, he ran 249 on that course. The next year he comes back to Boston pretty much in the same shape, but he ran 326. So that's, I mean, it just goes to show you, like, it just happens, you know, like people run 37 minutes slower and we know guys, I know, we know a guy, he's like a 240, 238 marathoner. I don't want to say his name. <laughs> um, I was written to him, but he ran like 350 at Boston. So it's just like an hour slower. And these are, you know, these are fast runners. They have a lot of experience, decades, and they're, they, they've had races where, you know, they're walking to the finish, um, at the end. But that's just, you know, that's just one example. I've had a ton of races. Like I've had a lot more races that were kind of bad, you know, like not like the super extreme. I have a lot more that are like, you know, you start at one pace and then you end a minute per mile slower, which is also, you know, difficult too. But we all, we've all been there and it doesn't get talked about a lot, but understand that, you know, if race doesn't go your way, you're one of many and it's just a stepping stone to greatness and you got to get through some of those hard times to to get to the light at the end there. So if you have any questions or you want to just talk about some of the bad races or bad workouts that you've had and vent to us and ask our coaches any questions about your training um, or work with one of us, you can fill out the form at www.runforprs.co. And we can chat more. It was great to chat a little bit about this topic. And hopefully there's more topics like this in the future. Thanks for tuning in.